today, uh, I want to take another step in this journey of the Apostles' Creed, which is just this ancient way of understanding the Christian faith. And here is the claim that this creed is making. It's saying that there is this particular way that we have been made to live. There's a story that we could uh, join in on of what it means to be a human being. And ultimately what it's wanting to show us, there's a reality that we can trust in in what it means to be a human being. There's a story, there's a larger story that can guide our lives. Now, here's the truth. And for many of us, that, that is the story that, that the creed is making. And it's claiming, hey, this is ultimate reality. This is the reality that human beings were made to live in. Now, whether you believe that or not is a whole nother argument. But the point that the creed is making is this story really, really matters. And if human beings are going to thrive, then we need to understand this story, not just in an ancient way, but in a way that we can move forward in our time into the future. So that's why we're calling this ancient future. And so what I'm discovering, what many of us are discovering, is that just the modern thing isn't always the latest and the greatest and the best, that there are ancient ways of wisdom and understanding that can join the technology and just all the wonderful advancements we've had in the modern world, there's a way to see these things blend together in some way that enriches the human experience and makes our world what it was supposed to be. So we, we've just been wrestling with that. This is week 10. Here's, for those of you who don't like long series, we're going to wrap it up by the end of June. I got two more weeks after this week, and then we'll move on to something else. But here we go. Let me show you what this creed, the part of the creed we're in right now. We're in the third part of it. And Karen, if you'll put that up. It says this. We believe in the Holy Spirit. This is the part of the creed that is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This is the third part of the creed. And today we're going to focus on the part that's in bold and italicized right there, the forgiveness of sins. Now, if you've been around Christianity at all for any period of time, how many of you have figured out that the cross is something that is really important to Christianity? right? Yeah. Um, and this conversation about the forgiveness of sins is central. And people take this very, very seriously because this seems to be kind of the central idea behind the work that God is doing in the human heart, in the human being. So today I want to talk about forgiveness of sins. And I want to look at it from the widest angle or the broadest way um, that we can look at it today. But um, there are some studies that um, now, uh, sociologists are discovering, and we're learning that the way to actually create the world that you want can happen much better through nonviolent means of bringing about that world. And so there's a lot of research now. We're saying vengeance and violence, because as Christians, we follow this guy who seems to be a nonviolent person. When he's faced with threatening things, he responds in a particular way. But, so, for many Christians, that makes sense. Yeah, a more, a less violent world, um, you know, people who don't take out vengeance, theologically makes sense for us, right? But what we're discovering now, that a lot of the data, that as they're doing research of just different things that are happening around the world, that if some kind of because listen, there, there are lots of places in the world where things are very, very violent. And it's easy for you and I to sit here and go, hey, a nonviolent way would be a better way. But how would we feel 
if we were in homes that were being invaded and innocent people in our family were being threatened in some way. Um, so I think it's very easy for us in the United States of America that have fought wars and have found this place of freedom where these kinds of things aren't happening in a world, but they are happening at place in the world. So here's what I don't want you to think, is that this is just an easy thing to understand because I can't claim to understand someone who goes to bed every night knowing that my family is safe and someone isn't knocking on my door coming in and threatening me. Now that could happen in this world we live in, right? It does happen. But for most of us, it's not happened on a daily basis. But still, empirically, the evidence, when they study standing up to regimes who are doing horrible things to humanity, that a non-violent way of resisting that, the data shows is a much better way to go about things. So that says something about forgiveness. Christianity has always been about forgiveness. And I, I just want to say this. It doesn't always happen in the big conflicts of life. Sometimes this happens in the small ways in life. Um, a story yesterday about someone else, and I'll tell you a story about me. Um, yesterday, um, playing baseball with five- and six-year-olds, and there was a decision that was made that we can only have a certain amount of coaches um, that could coach on a team. Well, we had five coaches. We could only have four for the All-Stars. So one person had to be the odd person out. Well, I volunteered to be the odd person out, but a decision was made. It was someone else, and I got to be a coach. Well, when this person was confronted that they were going to be the odd person out, it really hurt them. And so when I heard this, I'm like, listen, t he takes my hat. Give him my shirt. Let him be the coach. I, you know, it's not going to hurt me. It's going to be okay. So I willingly did that. And then the coach called this person and said, hey, you're in. Um, George willingly gave up his spot. Here's his hat. You know, here's his shirt. All you got to do is get this coaching certificate. And so it was an online thing. So I got the call the next morning saying, George, you're coaching. He didn't do the online uh, coaching certificate and he showed up without his shirt on that was given to him. So, saying all that to say this, it went on that he didn't want to coach because he was hurt. He was wounded. We could all understand that, right? Like there are times in life where we feel in some way that, you know, we got overlooked or, you know, why was I the odd person out? And it hurts us in some way. But then there are times when something is trying to be made right and instead of receiving that with grace, um, we resist it and get more angry and dig our heels in more and resist more and more. Now, here's what I'm saying. I'm not telling you that story to judge that person because I've been that person too. I've been wounded and hurt in some way, sometimes knowingly by the other party, sometimes unknowingly. And me too, I don't know about you guys, but I've gone to other people. Instead of going directly to that person who's hurt me, I'll go to a friend and try to get their sympathy. Can you believe this person did this to me? And I don't know about you, but I've had some honest friends, and a wife at times will go, well, you're part of the problem too. Um, and that is never fun when you're going to get sympathy and someone says, you could have acted a little more differently. You could have responded that could have helped this. Um, so listen, here's what I'm saying. We all, at times are in places that we could be easily offended 
And can I just say this? Our Christian faith matters in moments like that. Think about a world that could heal and mend if we could just have a little more humility and be willing to suffer a little bit by, I wasn't the first choice, but hey, they invited me to do it now, so I'm going to do it. I think there's a better way to respond that leads to a better world that might lead to greater emotional uh, harmony. But here's the thing that I want you to know. If forgiveness is a central thing to this story, and if people who claim to worship a God and follow a Christ who demonstrates this in every way, how can we not be people to take this more seriously? Not just in the big conflicts of the world, but how about in the little conflicts of our everyday life? And here's just maybe as why we aren't as willing to to go there, because I think there's this image of God as being vengeful and condemning. Uh, I don't know if any of you have experienced that, but some of that in my upbringing, I got this notion that God is just vengeful and condemning. He's just looking to get people. So, I want to take you back to 1977. It is CMA week this week, right? So in honor of CMA week, I want to take you back to an old country song. Karen, if you'll put that up. How many of you know this song? It is God's Going to Get You for That. How many have heard that? George Jones and Tammy Wyatt, 1977. I want to read this to you because if Nick's singing and his band's singing wasn't good enough, maybe this will lift your soul. Um, Let me read this to you a couple... Okay, here's the chorus to this song. Because for some of us in this room, we want to believe in a God that is loving and forgiving. We want to believe in a humanity that could model that and live that with one another. But the truth is, often, we don't fully believe that that's the way God looks at our lives. And we don't always model that. But here's the song. Here's the chorus, all right? God's going to get you for that. God's going to get you for that. There's no place to run and hide, for he knows where you're at. God's going to get you for that. God's going to get you for that. Every wrong thing you do, God's going to get you for that. All right, here, here's, here's verse 1. All right, you guys feeling your soul being uplifted here? This doggone world we're living in is giving me a fit. It seems like everywhere I turn, I see a hypocrite. Well, if you want to go to heaven... Well, you can't live like that. So let me tell you, brother, God's going to get you for that. Now, I know we're smiling at this, but aren't there moments in our life where we truly feel that about us? That for some of us, we've done something so wrong or messed up in some way. But that's the actual disposition that we think God is looking at us toward. And it's just not true. One more verse. There's one in here that is pg No, it's probably rated R. I'm not going to read that one. I'm going to read the third verse. It goes like this. Now, old sister Bessie, she'd like to testify. She says, I always love the Lord, and someday I'm going to fly. We were just singing that this morning. But the other night, while going by the local liquor store, I caught old sister Bessie flying out the door. (laughs) You just, we have some brilliant songwriters in this city because... They know how to write something that moves our soul. But here's, here's the truth. You guys, on our best days, we have a sense that we're loved and forgiven. And that if we're really going to grow and we're really going to live into the humanity that we were made to experience, that we need that forgiveness. And, but there are days 
when that's hard to believe about ourselves. It's hard to believe for someone else that maybe has hurt you or has frustrated you. But this Christian faith embraces it. In the good, in the bad, and the ugly, we have to be open to this because the line in this creed says the forgiveness of sins is an important part of the human story. And if we're going to be what we were made to be, we got to believe that a little more deeply. Now here, I just want to read you these words out of 1 Peter because I find this just fascinating. This is how Jesus is responding to things that are happening to him. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 23, it says, When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. If there's anything that has been most deeply transforming to why I trust in this story, it is this right here. It is seeing a human being who claims to be showing us what the divine image of God looks like when it shows up in the world and seeing a completely different way that it responds to injustice, our humiliation, our insult. I'm a Christian today because there's something about that that does not seem weak. There's something about that that seems like great strength. And there is a power in this kind of way of responding to the world that I think makes a difference. And I am so compelled by it that I want to be transformed into that same kind of likeness. Yes, for the big conflicts of the world, but even for the little petty offenses that touch this heart and this life on a daily basis. And this is possible. Now here, let me show, I just want to show you a way that Jesus talks about it in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 4. And um, he is quoting here. He stands up in the temple and he's reading the scroll, because that's what they would do uh, back then. They would, they would roll out these scrolls, and he's reading in the temple the scrolls. He's reading out of Isaiah 61, and he reads this. He stands up, and he says this. This is uh, Luke 4, uh, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recover the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Now listen to these words. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. So he reads the scroll, he hands it back, and everyone's eyes are fastened on him. Why are his, their eyes fastened on him? It's because he leaves out of this reading one line out of Isaiah 61. And here's what that line was. He ended with, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But that Isaiah 61, you go back and read it for yourselves later on, it says this, and the day of vengeance of our God. He leaves that off and ends right there, hands the scroll, and everyone's like, you didn't read the whole thing. Okay, so there's lots of conversations of scholars. Why did Jesus leave that off? And there's this big debate as to he left it off intentionally or he didn't. It was just the way it ended up in our text. I, when I think about this, I just pause and I wonder if he was not thinking about the people, uh, Matthew, um, some of his disciples, and going, some of the people that he was interacting with in the world around. I wonder if he just wasn't thinking the last thing they need 
is to hear another word about vengeance. Because it seems like the whole world that they live in is surrounded by this violent vengeance. Everyone getting back, an eye for an eye, an eye for an eye. I wonder if he wasn't actually thinking about people and going, the last thing they need to hear right now is another word on vengeance. So there's a lot of debate about this. I happen to believe that he intentionally left it out. Why? Because you don't see anything in Jesus' life that would lead you to believe that vengeance was the right thing to respond to at any point in his life. So actually, he's thinking about people here. Now, you could look at this all throughout Scripture. Um, There is uh, laying down your life for a friend. There's this kind of love that the Scriptures talk about. There There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, that none of us are ever separated from the love of God. It's just filled with Scripture, this idea of not vengeance, not violent, violence being inflicted on us, not punishment. We do a really good job of bringing punishment on ourselves by a lot of the choices and decisions we made. I believe with all my heart there is a loving being, a Holy Spirit that is trying to free us from the damage that we do to ourselves. All over Scripture you find this. Now, here's the thing. You will hear from me and you would hear from the leaders of our church and many of us were here because we believe love is the most important thing. That's what, God, if God is love, then that's what we're trying to grow and that's what we're trying to be. That's what we want to teach. That's what we want to um, mature into. But love has a second name, a middle name, I guess I would say. It's forgiveness because you can't truly live a life of love and you truly can't experience love if forgiveness isn't something that's being freely given and freely received. But let me show you this slide what this says. Forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. The hard truth is that all people love poorly. And I would say, in the broadest sense, if you were to ask me what sin is, I would believe with all my heart it's our inability to love in the way that we were made to love. Sin's first way of playing out in our world is the way that we love poorly or the way that we're unable to receive the love that could heal us in some way. And I know it's a broad sense. We can narrow it down to very specifics of life, but just stay with me here in a wider sense. The failure of human beings is that we love poorly. That's sin. We need to forgive and be forgiven every day, every hour, increasingly. That is the great work of love among the fellowship of the weak that is the human family. Now, in the broadest sense, how many of you have thought about sin in that way, that we're not doing as good in the work of love as we could possibly do? So what if we just started there for a moment? Because here's what I believe to be true. Forgiveness is not the exception of God's character. Forgiveness is the very nature of God's character. Um, And it's not just when God has a good day that he's forgiving. God is forgiving every day. And we would help ourselves by trusting in that more deeply and allowing that to wash over our hearts and our lives and our souls. Because I just believe with all my heart, it might actually change how we live and react to other people in the world. Because you cannot experience that in a very real way and not be willing to share that with others. So what is it about this line, um, the forgiveness of sin, sins that is in the creed? It's that we believe in the practice of this, that practicing forgiveness is a way of life. 
and it can help us thrive. One last thing I want to show you here. Let me show you how Jesus talks about this in the book of Matthew. And then um, the central thing we're going to do today is we're going to come to these tables. We're going to receive a meal that Christians have been doing for thousands of years. It's freely given to us. Not just so that we could feel better about ourselves and go, I'm forgiven, but so that we would be transformed, nourished by this meal in some way, that this is what would pour out of our hearts and lives to the world around us. Because you don't need more vengeance and violence coming at you, and the world around you doesn't need more vengeance or violence. Okay, so Jesus in Matthew, here's the way he talks about this, and this is in the Lord's Prayer. And his disciples, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he gives them this model prayer. But in the middle of this prayer, he says this, and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a hard pill to swallow. Because, you guys, I claim to live this every day with all my heart. And can I tell you, I love poorly on a daily basis. There are many moments that I get it right, but there are many moments that I'm not able to give the forgiveness that has been given to me. But I've just learned to tune my heart that when I'm experiencing that, that's about me growing, not about bringing more pain or judgment to the world around me. How can I grow in such a way? Because how can I receive something so freely and not give it so freely? Sin. Sin is the thing that holds that up in my heart. That's a hard one to swallow. But the Bible has the highest possible view of human beings. The highest. So if we've had a faith or a spirituality or Christianity the fact in the past that have told us how horrible we are, that is not what the creed is giving us. What it is teaching us is giving us the highest possible view of humanity. Why do we need forgiveness of sins? Because the Bible has such a high view of what we are made to be and what we could become, and we fall short in that in some way. And so this text knows that we need forgiveness from a God who's made us. But can I tell you the way that I've experienced that so powerfully and meaningfully is when I've experienced it through another brother or sister or someone else. When I deserve to get, you know, my butt kicked or I deserve to have someone say something, but yet they offer me grace in some way. That is transforming. We don't have to fear. If someone takes that grace and stomps on it, like happened yesterday, that's on them. That's on them. That's about their growth. That's about their maturity. But what about when those kinds of gifts are given to us? They're, they're transforming in our lives. But sin is falling short of what we were meant to be. And here's the truth. Somewhere deep down inside, this isn't a condemning truth. It's just a reality we know to be true. Deep down inside, we know this. And there's one, two ways you could do about it. You can open your heart to forgiveness or you could deny that you have some kind of brokenness there or a need to love more deeply and more purely. So listen, from the broadest sense, this is what I want to leave you with, the way this writer and scholar says it. There is an expanded sense of sin as anything we do to damage the world. It's like air pollution. All of us contribute to it and all of us 
suffer from it. So, without any judgment individually, what if we just started here? What if we all see ourselves as human beings with this breath of life and this goodness and this energy that's been freely given to us? And there is the scripture, the Christian life is inviting us to the highest view of that. And what if we humbly were able to go and we fall short of it, but we still believe it's possible? And the only way that we can experience it is if I would open my heart up to this forgiveness of sins because this seems to be the thing that can unlock it and can inspire us to live more fully in, into it. So I've been told all my life that you have to be careful with how much grace you pour out on people because people are going to take advantage of it. Bull crap. We all need more grace. And if you're given grace and you take advantage of it, that is on you. But I actually believe, I just say bullcrap in church, I'm so sorry. That is about the worst I could say. <laughs> um, grace, when we receive it, might be the greatest gift that we can give ourselves. Okay, I want to end with this, and, and we're just going to have a moment of reflection here. So Nick, if you want to come up. But there is this, um, in... Uh, uh, the Orthodox tradition, there is this thing they call the right of forgiveness, all right? And it's, it's very old. It's like it goes back to almost 600 A.D. And here's what they do. And let me put you at ease. We're not going to do this here. So if you hear me say it and go, we're going to do that, it's going to scare you and freak you out. You're going to get up and leave. But what they do once a year on Lent, they line up everyone in their churches in two lines facing each other. And they look at each other. And, and they'll say something like this, brother or sister in God, please forgive me for any way that I may have sinned against you, in some way that I may have hurt you, in some way you needed me and I didn't show up in the way that you needed me. Please forgive me for any way that has hurt you. And then the person who's hearing that would say back to them, oh, sister or brother, I forgive you, and please forgive me for the way that my pollution, my sin in my life has polluted your world and goes through the same thing. And so there is this beautiful exchange that is going of forgiveness. And you know what they do? They say, okay, we forgive each other. They move down the line to the next person and do it all over. And they do this all over the Eastern Orthodox Church. Now, when I've heard this, we're not ready to do that here. That would just be shocking to all of us. Maybe one day we'll be able to do it at some point, but I don't know. But here's what I thought about how beautiful that is. What if we were to practice this in our homes? What if on a regular basis we were to go, I'm sorry, is there some way that I've sinned against? Is there some way that my sin has polluted our home, our relationship? You could do this in workplaces. We could do this all over. What, what kind of world would it be if we thought more humbly and consciously about the way that we're polluting the world around us? I just absolutely love this idea. And then what they do at the end of this, they simply embrace each other and they see the image of God in one another. And then they say this, on, it happens on a Sunday. On Monday, they call it Clean Monday. And here's what they go do, you guys. They go fly kites as a symbolic way of the buoyancy, of the love 
of the grace of this lifting of the heart when it, un, when it lives out forgiveness in a beautiful way. So they all out there flying kites and smiling because forgiveness does something to the human heart unlike anything else. I'm just crazy enough to believe that all of us can do a little better at it, including me. So here's what I just want you to do just for these next few moments. If you would just close your eyes. If it helps me sometimes to put my feet firmly on the floor because believe it or not, as sure as that ground is secure for you, there's a security within your very being that's holding you. It is this love of God. And I just want to ask you two questions this morning and just think about this. And let me ask, Holy Spirit, just guide us in this moment before we receive the gift of bread and a cup, a reminder to us that, God, we're forgiven. But also, God, a reminder to us the the holy responsibility we have in the world to live out this line, the forgiveness of sins, to both receive it and then to share it. Holy Spirit, just guide us here in this moment in each of our hearts. Two questions, my friends. Is there a failure in your life that you've been struggling in some way to believe that God could forgive you for? I just want you to call that to mind. And I don't want you to feel condemnation or guilt. I just want you to bring it to the forefront of your mind and just name it. And then just where you're sitting, if you just ask God's love to find you. That even in that shortcoming and that failure, that yet you're still loved. And then a second question. Has someone failed you? in some way and forgiving them at this very moment you find to be very difficult it's a struggle I want you to to name that maybe name that person name that injustice that violence that was done to you and I'm asking you to do that not to bring to your mind a failure to forgive doing that so that you can name what it is that you need God's help. Because forgiveness isn't something that just happens in a moment. It's a process. And it's actually for us just not just for another. So please don't hear in this that that's some kind of failure that you're unable to forgive. Of course, we've all been wounded in ways that make that very difficult. Would you hear this, that maybe freedom from that forgiveness to find your heart and to guide you. Now God, you know what each of us need with this line and what it means and the ways we need to receive it and the ways we need to share it. So I just pray as we come this morning that this meal that is freely given to us would nourish us, not just physically, but would nourish us spiritually 
to live up to that high view of humanity that you have for us. And that we could see that what Jesus modeled is not just exceptional for him, but it's actually possible for each of us. And that's actually what leads to freedom, to joy, to more thriving in our lives and to a more beautiful world. Help us to trust this story today as we receive in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to go back to the tables. We're just going to invite you at the front here if you'll just come up. You can take the bread and someone's going to say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. You can eat it. We're going to give you a cup of juice. It's going to say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. You can drink it. There are some pails right there you could drop in there. Just come back to sit to your, sit at your seats, and then we'll do a short benediction here in just a moment. So uh, let me get back there, and then we can start. You guys can come. If, if you all, would you stand with me? How many would like to go fly a kite? <laughs> um, I don't know what the wind's like out there. But um, just for a word of benediction, my friends and my brothers and sisters, may you remember that vengeance and violence is not the way we have the best life or the best world. May you be reminded today that forgiveness, the forgiveness of sins shared freely with us so that we can share freely with one another is actually the better life, the better world, the better community, the better business, the better church, the better family, the better marriage. You could put whatever it is in there that you need. But that's been freely shared with you to share with others in all those places. May we learn to trust the forgiveness of sins and may grace and peace go with all of us.